Welcome, everyone, to this edition of the Not-So-Common Podcast. I'm Pat Contry, and my guest this time out is Vinny from Vine Sauce. He's a big-time Twitch streamer, also has a YouTube channel or two. He's also in a band called Red Vox, and he's from uh, a little neck of the woods not too far from where I grew, grew up, uh, and that was uh, Staten Island. Uh, Vinny, welcome. Hey, Pat. How you doing? Thanks for having me. I'm um, recovering from food poisoning, but I'm, otherwise I'm doing all right. Uh, okay. <laughs> you know, you survived the Thanksgiving deluge of food, whether it's uh, mac and cheese and greens and uh, gravy and all this maelstrom of ingredients in your belly. And then I, that was fine. It was fine eating the stuffing and dressing and all that and turkey. But then I just ordered some Greek food and now I'm out for like a day and a half. But <laughs> I'm, I'm okay right now, I guess. That's good. I can tell you, probably unrelated to Thanksgiving, but I'm blaming Thanksgiving dinner for it anyway. I had a headache that lasted a day and a half after wow. Thanksgiving dinner. So I don't know if, I think it was the yams. Whatever a yam is, it was probably that. <laughs> Whatever, a yam's just a yam, I think. I think it's technically a yam. It's a, it's a vegetable. It's, well, that thing or, is probably to blame. Or, or is it, No, it's in yeah. the potato family, I, I believe. So, so you grew up in, you grew up, uh, uh, in Staten Island, correct? You're you're one of those Italians I've heard about. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, super <laughs> Italian. I have, um, you know, my whole family is. I always tell the story like this. Even if I have other heritage in there somewhere, I think the Italian side of my family is too proud to tell me. <laughs> because uh, we're a very proud people. So I've been told I'm 100% Italian, though I probably have like, you know, maybe 10% of some like European stuff going on in there. Uh yeah, the same with me growing up. It's like, yeah, well, I know officially uh, on the on the chart, the on the parent chart, I'd be 3 quarters Italian and 25% German. And then I got that good old DNA testing. It's like, not exactly. <laughs> you're, you're you're a lot of other stuff. Uh you know, it's still a majority Italian. Uh but there's a lot of other things thrown in there because, you know, a lot of people were having sex over the past 1000 years here and there. A lot of them. So you so you kind of mix, you kind of mix in and out. It's not like every person, uh, every ancestor of yours that was having sex with each other were all Italian. Probably not. That's probably not likely. People were traveling. They're going to a local flea market here or there. You know, they got drunk on a trip in the Mediterranean in the 1500s. So you know, a lot of stuff happens in, in historical times. But yeah, well, I, I like. I'm, the I'm, idea I'm, of I'm going the flea off on market. a weird. I'm going off on a weird tangent now. I don't know. This is me coming off food poisoning. Yeah, but no, I, I like guess, food poisoning, Pat. That could be a segment. <laughs> that could be a whole yeah podcast segment. Yeah. But um, I, I guess I guess for the rest of the country, what is it like growing up in an Italian family in the tri-state area? Like, like just explain it real quick. Can you, can you sum it up in like a minute? I could. Besides, besides leaving out the 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 uh, you know what we all know and love the, the lasagnas, the great Christmas Eve dinners that i try to explain everyone every year it's, it's like the highlight of my life technically at this point you know the the overzealous grandmas will give you wet kisses and feed you until you're about to puke yeah, yep that's about right so far but I, i'll add another one um sunday gravy yes okay gravy. it's not called sauce they call it gravy here like my family <laughs> called it so it, it's basically just macaroni you know the the stuff that you pasta pasta it's pasta so but they call it gravy and um, when you don't say gravy, they get a little weird about it. It's like that, you know, you get looked at in a strange way, like, are you still Italian? 
So that, and I would I would also say um, for the Italian part, loud, lots of loud. Oh yes, and this is something that I had to. Well, I think compared to the, I'm, I'm still loud because I come from. I live in the West Coast now, and I'm a loud East Coast person. But even compared to that, when I go back home to my family, I need to like de-stress every 45 minutes being around my my sister and my family and my parents and my uncle i have to like just take a step out of the room i, I it's so much overload mm-hmm. that it's just i'm gonna you know what i mean it, it's just so much it's just too much totally. it, like you like you like speaking of your your built-in compressor that we spoke about before the, we actually start recording we need a compressor set up during our family meals i feel we have to like even out the audio levels <laughs> yeah. at some point yeah it gets like you know when you you see those um the charts about like how certain sounds like compared to like a, a live rock concert or a jet engine and then italian family is like at the top of the list in my case i'm sure for yours too it's like okay take it down a little bit we, we can just speak to each other and then it gets even worse when religion or politics is brought to the dinner table, which are two very, very forbidden topics. But they come up, they come up from time to time, and then the volume raises like an extra five decibels. Oh God! Yeah. So, so during Sunday gravy, you'd have some time. We never called it Sunday gravy. I, I, we just called it, you know, whatever we called it, supper. Yeah. Which mean like, I mean like you ate dinner at like what three o'clock in the afternoon. Three was Something the time. Like that. Yeah. Three was the time. Uh, and you go over. It's funny that you said macaroni because yeah, we never call it, Italians don't actually call it pasta mm-hmm. usually, right? Is my right about that? We just we call it macaroni. It's just or, a blanket or, term, macaroni. Or having the ziti, uh-huh. and, uh, the ziti. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, uh huh. And yeah, the gravy thing was always sort of not controversial, but we had to unlearn that. At least I did as I spoke to more people because I'd be like, yeah, we had you know we had macaroni and gravy and. People we look at me usually like a, a bad internet date. Be like, be like, what the hell are you talking about? You put, you put turkey gravy on, on on spaghetti. I'm like, no gravy. It's red, and they had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. And then like you know when you go to a store to buy certain items, like that's the other part of the Staten Island Italianer, which is um, you have to learn how to say mozzarella and not mozzarella. Oh yeah, mozzarella. Yeah. You know, which I found out later is like the lower class dialect that I guess a lot of the people that came over to New Jersey, New York, that's that's how they spoke, including, my, um, you know, parts of my family. So then my sister would get in arguments with my grandfather all the time. It's not mozzarella, it's mozzarella. And my grandfather would be like, ah, what the, what's this mozzarella? It's mozzarella. You know, you cut off that last uh, vowel and, and sort of just blow right through the word there's a lot of those <laughs> so wait you grew up where again you're in jersey though right i was or... in jersey i was in i was in central jersey oh yeah so then you know i mean that's that's basically staten island it's the same thing yeah it's, staten it's island, exact same thing. for those that don't know staten island is um the fifth borough of new york city but we're we're often called the forgotten borough and we have not a great reputation for a lot of reasons but i will say this i like it here because there's a lot of parks there's parking there's, you know, you can drive around here. In the rest of the city, it's hard to do that. There's a rumor. Well, I don't know if this is a true story, but this is <laughs> this is like the urban legend I heard growing up, which is that there was a boat race between New York and New Jersey back in the. I guess I'm being very, I'm being very specific here, but back in the day, um, there was this boat race, and whoever lost got Staten Island. So, so the 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 joke or the story goes that New York lost, we got Staten Island, 
and here we are. Because, I mean, geographically, it looks like it's a part of Jersey. It's literally, it's like, what is it, a couple mile bridge, the Gothels? No, Verrazano will take you to uh, Brooklyn. And that's like, um, you know, the longest suspension bridge in the East Coast. But the one from Jersey to Staten Island, that's the Gothels, isn't it? That's the Gothels, and then you have the Outer Bridge and the Bayonne Bridge. But they're not, like, you know, they're they're just, you know, regular-sized bridge. They're you know, decent, but they're not like the Verrazano, which is massive. So just to put it in perspective, I don't think people realize this weird relationship between Jersey and Staten Island. Like, for example, whenever you see that those those terrible trash people on Jersey Shore, most of them are, are from Staten, Staten Islanders. Island. Yep, you bet. Most of them. Most of them. Yep. Um, <laughs> just to let you know, it's a subculture part of it. And Staten Island is pretty small. It's like 15 by 8 or something like that. It's not miles. It's not that big of a size. Correct. It's like, an, it's like a small county. You know, that's basically the size of it. With and half it, a million people jammed into it. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's almost like, yeah, if Jersey annex Staten Island, no one even realize it. Like, it, <laughs> it, it, it's it's one of those weird sort of things that, like, when I the last I, I the last place I lived in, in Jersey, I was maybe a fifteen minute ride from Staten Island. Yet I never went there. There was no reason ever to go to Staten Island. I didn't know anyone from there. Yeah, you know what I mean. It, so it's this weird relationship between New Jersey and Staten Island that. I don't know. What, what do you think? You think Staten Island's just come on board the Garden State, or no? It's it's too ingrained as a as the fifth borough um, of New York City. <laughs> I like I like saying I'm a New Yorker, but I do like Jersey a lot too. I go there a lot to um, get good restaurants and to decompress from New York. But I'll tell you this: most people I've had any kind of contact with that are from the other boroughs of New York, like Brooklyn or or Queens, um, even a lot of people from Jersey, they, they always have the same story. I've never been to Staten Island, or I've only been there once, or I'm, I passed through. It's one of those three stories. <laughs> it's not like, oh, man, I spent so much time on Staten Island. Like, people I meet just kind of don't come here. Um, and so what they tried to do, and this is, like, kind of an interesting thing. They, they're trying to revamp the ferry terminal station, which is how you get here from Manhattan. And they tried to build this massive wheel, like a... Um, like a, a giant Ferris wheel, like the London Eye, but even <laughs> even bigger than that, even bigger than that, right? So <laughs> none of the Staten Island residents wanted this thing because it was going to just be a huge, expensive project. It was going to take parking away. So they're already in the process of building it. I think they lost their funding for it, and everyone's like, good, fuck it. So, Just to get people to come... To Staten Island to have a reason to visit for a yeah, Ferris wheel. a big lit up wheel so that you can see from Manhattan. Like the one that used to be at Coney Island. Do they still have the one in Coney oh, Island? Oh, yeah, that's, in, that's there, but even bigger than that. Yeah, so. I was just gonna, trying to say, I think I went on like a date or two in Staten Island ever. But th- like I said, there's no reason. Is there a reason if I was living in New Jersey to ever go to Staten Island? Like, is there anything in Staten Island I couldn't find in Jersey? Okay. Like a really nice Italian restaurant that I couldn't find in Jersey or something else? There's a couple cool restaurants. Yeah, there's the, we've got good Chinese food and we've got good pizza, really good pizza. Um, we've got a beach that, well, if you're in Jersey, you got better beaches. Um, we've got, um, it's funny. You're trying to sell me with the tourism board. Hmm. Well, we got beaches. We got some pizza. Um, we've got a mall. Wait, you've got plenty of malls in Jersey. Okay. We've got a direct road to Brooklyn. Okay. So if you want to go to Brooklyn, it might be easier versus going North. You cut through, you cut through Staten Island. You sure can. 
And you pay fifteen dollars to go over the Gothels or whatever the hell it costs to go 15, over the bridge. Fifteen for the Gothels and then another fifteen for the Verrazano. See, I was just guessing. <laughs> I think when I last lived in New Jersey, it was maybe like eight dollars for the Gothels. Yeah. So if you commute, uh, yeah, you're kind of screwed in yeah. terms of uh, at least it's tax deductible. But yeah, and, yeah, and if you're I, a resident, you get a discount. Oh, do you really? Yeah. Oh, you get you get the Staten Island corruption discount. <laughs> um, uh, so, do you ever picture yourself leaving Staten Island, or you're you're in love with living there? Well, it's you know I grew up here, Pat, and I I I guess I have the I was born in a small town. <laughs> oh God, Mellencamp, the Coog, gave himself a nickname. Um, no, I would say I like it here, and I do own the house that I live in, and and you know I kind of have my there's benefits because I'm close enough to Jersey, I'm close enough to Brooklyn, and I'm close enough to Manhattan. Um, the studio we record in for the music is on Staten Island. So there's things here that I like. However, I considered like maybe kind of looking into places in Brooklyn. Uh, Manhattan's very expensive. But if I were to say have a place I could be in Brooklyn at, the commute to Manhattan would be very easy, like just a train. So I've thought about it, Pat, but I, I don't I don't know. Like I wouldn't live in Jersey. I like the city life, um, but I also have considered warmer climates ah mm. get you out to the west coast maybe <laughs> it's not mm. the first time I, i've thought about it but uh yeah you, you like it I, there man oh i love it it's just super expensive um i'm, I'm not going to ask what your house costs but i can guarantee you it's 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 more affordable than what I just probably well purchased. it's 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 the family one it's the old old one so i mean it's all paid off which is great but i mean oh, that's fantastic the, the, the bills are rough and then the, the you know property tax is rough so but i well, that's the thing about, yeah. that's the one good thing about california is that property taxes are are lower or low average compared to the rest of the u.s and and jersey's the highest because it's the most fucking corrupt state ever um <laughs> yeah but uh it's so expensive to live here just besides like gasoline just everything food's more expensive the housing is probably you know, California's most expensive place to live overall. Yeah. You know, San Francisco is number one in probably the U.S. And then, but L.A. is not that much cheaper. San Diego is not that much cheaper because everyone flocks here because like, oh, I like, uh, I don't want to see snow ever again. Okay, we're gonna you're gonna pay out the ass for that yeah. privilege, though. Yeah. I mean, that's what it comes down to. So, so if you can afford it, West Coast is fine. But if you can't, or if it's gonna be tough, there's no reason to come out here. But no, I don't miss the freezing rains at all. I don't, I, you know, I don't miss, uh, ch- you know, trying to commute to work and cutting out, uh, you know, f- two inches of solid ice from my windshield every morning. I don't miss that. Absolutely yeah. not. And especially since it's getting cold here, like we had a really good summer and we had a really good fall and the weather was great and I was enjoying going for walks and just like driving around, you know, I would go to Jersey and just like, this is going to sound weird, but I would go to Jersey and find like a random farm because you guys have just farms everywhere. The and Garden State, not everywhere, but yes, they are around somewhere. <laughs> plenty, plenty of places you could just go to. So I would go there and I would just buy like, you know, fresh food, like the corn and, and the vegetables. And, and, and it was great because it was like, you know, I could go on adventures and the weather was nice. I could drive with the windows open. And now I walk outside and I'm bundled up and I'm like, "Fuck! I want to go to I want to go to L.A." So, so wait a minute, there there actually was an autumn season this year because when I was leaving New Jersey, there was no more autumn. It was like summer, summer, one week of autumn, winter. 
that's how it was. I remember one yeah. of the last years I lived in New Jersey and was there for Christmas. So that was like 2008. It was like 60 degrees on Christmas. I don't know if you remember that. That was like probably nine years ago. I remember. I remember. We've had a couple wacky Christmases that were like, wait a minute, I can go outside without a jacket? Yeah, I'm not going to get into uh, – I'm not going to talk about climate change because I'll get people attacking me. Right. I don't know how that's – I don't know how that's political that the earth's heating up and it's uh, scientifically undeniable. But um, that started to happen. You're telling me you've gotten some actual like four seasons again. Well, we don't uh, have – we, we had a, a really good autumn in the sense that it was really hot. So I would agree that we had like, – It was really hot. <laughs> we, we had a lot of summer, and that kind of turned into a little bit of autumn, and then it just got cold in a week. So I would say it's still pretty similar to what you had said. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I love being back there. I was there for uh, a convention in September. And, yeah, that's the one thing – I missed two things from New Jersey besides all my loud Italian brethren that live in the Garden State. Um, I miss autumn. An actual autumn where you put on jeans and a sweatshirt and you hear the hear the leaves rustling mm-hmm. and, the, and the changing of the leaves. That's all fun. And raking is always fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also I miss the diners. I, I, you, you, gotta, you can't take for granted the awesome diners that yeah. we have out there you do. in the tri-state area. We, Other uh, than that, though, nah, don't, don't miss a huge amount of it. Uh, I, have to, I have to admit, otherwise I wouldn't be out here. Fair enough, man. And, and you know, you can always watch Guy Fieri if you want some diners, drive-ins, and dives. Yeah, I don't know how Guy Fieri became a thing. I, I don't know what it, who who his core audience is. Uh, yeah. Uh, but anyway, trash goblins. So let's, let's, All right, go ahead. <laughs> trash goblins. Yo, he's always like picking from a dumpster. He's like, "Look at this hot dog!" And he picks it up, and it's just like coffee grinds. Anyway, all I all I know is that like when he's come out here, and like he came out here, I believe he came out to. Let me just make sure I have this right. He came out to. Uh, a burger joint not too far from where I am now and like picked it out. This is like this is the the place to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so he came out to uh, a place called Hodad's, which is a burger place that's near me in San Diego and spotlight it. And, of course, that puts it on the map and everyone goes to it. The problem, though, the food is average at best there. It's, it's like it's, it has to be fast food because you're turning over so many burgers mm-hmm. And there's always a line out there, and there's about three better burger places within like three minutes of Hodads. Right, they're never going to sponsor my podcast now. But I'm gl- I'm actually glad that he spotlighted the wrong one because now I can get into the other places easier. I know I'm just being I'm just being selfish. I guess that's I great. Know. No, I and I love the idea that Guy Fieri likes the 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 mediocre burgers. He doesn't care. I mean, for him, it's not it's, a it's, it's about- not a bad burger, but it's like why am I standing in line for an hour and a half for this burger? It's the you know, Fier- Fieri effect, man. The, the Fieri effect? Oh, his nickname is the Guido. See, I didn't even know that. Neither did I. I didn't know that. I, I'm looking at his. Uh, I'm looking at his bio. Uh, Guy the Guido Fieri. Anyway, let's talk about vine sauce a bit. Let's talk about vine sauce. You're not going to talk about Staten Island with you in New Jersey forever. Yeah. Um, so, what was the impetus of, of starting uh, vine sauce? Both, I guess, the the YouTube channels as well as the the uh, the network of streamers. Well, it kind of. It's a weird thing because Vine Sauce is both my nickname and the name of, of like the community and also the name of the team, which is confusing and it's something that I, I understand why people get confused about it. But here's how it began. I was um I wanted to start a YouTube channel again because I had some ideas um in two thousand ten. I was like, Oh, maybe I can do some YouTube stuff. Like I had just learned to edit 
um, on Adobe Premiere, and I wanted to start a new channel and just mess around and upload trash videos or like videos of like my vacations uh, um, with my friends and just kind of like edit them together and all the weird, wacky, random moments that would happen. And so the, the original YouTube design, right? We'll just upload whatever garbage home movies we have. <laughs> yeah, it was a the wild west of YouTube, and uh, I guess. It wasn't just cat videos at the time, but there was not a lot of, there was a lot of troll type videos or like, you know, just uh, YouTube poop was still huge at the time. Mm -hmm. So it was, you know, really, I didn't think that there was going to be a kind of a market for YouTube to turn into this professional thing. There was no impetus to make a a buck. Um, In fact, there was no money on YouTube for a while. But anyway, uh, 2010, I was like, I need a new, I need to make a channel. And um, I remembered that. I guess I didn't have a name, but I remembered that my nickname was Vines years ago. And um, hey, Vin, Vinny Vines, hey, what's, what's going on? <laughs> it, it was almost, it, well, it was it, it, almost <laughs> that. Um, actually, we were playing Mario Party four or five, and there's a mini game where vines grow out of the ground. And a couple friends of mine and myself thought that the vines looked like they were growing out of an asshole. Oh, so we okay. joked about those vines for a while because we thought it was funny. <laughs> And then, because my name is Vinny, people were like, Vinny, Vine, Vines. So, then uh, my friend, <clears throat> one of my friends would say the word sauce on everything. Like, it was the awesome sauce days, I guess. And he would call people, like, like sauce, like something sauce. So, he called me Vine Sauce, like, one time. And I remembered it, like, five years later. And I named the channel Vine Sauce. And, yeah, it was exactly that. It started out slow. I uploaded some random nonsense and some, like, you know, just, like, some video game-related stuff, but also, like, plenty of non-video game-related stuff that was just kind of me fucking around. And um, as it started taking off, I realized, like, the streaming thing was just starting. And I was like, you know, Livestream had this video game streaming community. I remember the biggest one had 100 viewers. And I was like, wow. So we're talking 2000... 10 2011? Still. 10 still? Yeah. So, so to everyone out there, that's before Twitch technically existed in that name. It was still Justin TV. Mm-hmm. And you had Ustream and maybe one other channel, I think maybe Livestream.com or something like that at the time. That was you, the one. You, yeah. So it was still in its very, very infancy, you can say that. It was. And, and it turned into kind of um, just kind of fucking around and just hoping that people would enjoy what you did. And, and it was it was trash. But you know what? I had fun, and we eventually kind of most of the streaming um, people in those days just shared one channel, which was like how you stayed live all the time. Because Twitch came around later on and made it easier to find other channels, so that people would continue to watch. There was you know the auto hosting that was implemented, but back in 2010, a way to retain people and to like grow your community and to retain like a strong team was to have other people stream on the same channel. So we were live, like, you know, at least half the day or more because there was, like, so you would so, so you would just share your login info with other people. This is before it was it was sophisticated enough to have, ho- like, hosting and sub-channels. Yep. And we did that on live stream with terrible video quality and disconnects and just awful, you know, I didn't know my microphone. You know, the first couple streams I did, I recorded into, like, a desktop USB mic while still listening to the audio through my speakers. So the audio would come through the microphone 
from the speakers, and it was just nice. a terrible, terrible mess. I'm surprised Clean. anyone watched. <laughs> so it, then it evolves over the years, and then people turn to Justin TV. Then it comes Twitch. What was it, about 2013 or so? About that, Something like that. Yeah. Um, and then it, 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 it's sort of like that parabolic, not parabolic, exponential growth. I'd say, like slow, slow. Then all of a sudden it hits, and it, yeah. and it gets huge. Uh, why do you think streaming took off to the extent that it did? And and did you see that happening, or what was there like a certain point in time, where like oh my god, this is becoming a huge thing. This is going to be rivaling YouTube. No, I I didn't have any like again. I was you know working like a full time job while I was doing streaming, and it was just for fun. And um, when it started kind of getting big, it was like, wait, what? You know, like Twitch came along. Someone from Twitch specifically tried to recruit Vine Sauce to Twitch, and we made a channel but never streamed on it. So years late, well, not years late, maybe like eight months to a year later, we decided to switch to Twitch because they clearly were updating their service. They were turning the streaming thing into a real service, and yeah. live stream was just kind of stagnant. So we decided to switch over to Twitch. Um, and any change you make, there are going to be people in the audience who are like, bad decision. I know there are plenty of people out there who would feel like we would be better served on live stream to this day, which is the funny thing because it's like, you know, they haven't updated their service in like 10 years. But we have this kind of, um, we have this thing where we, we're very stubborn. And it was like, and I was stubborn. I didn't want to jump on the Twitch train until I was sure it was like not a fad. So we jump on, and then it just starts getting massive. And I don't know how that happened exactly, but I have a couple theories, which is esports, which is what I don't do. But I think a lot of the esports stuff, and I think a lot of those kind of like, um, you know, celebrity uh, esports players or like the Smash tournaments or all that started the groundswell. And then when people got wind that Twitch was like a decent platform for this, um, people switched over to it. People tried it out. YouTubers tried it out. And then eventually just one thing led to another. And like you said, it grew exponentially. Do you think there's also the appeal of, like you keep talking about, you've said the word a few times, community. And the fact that it's it's a lot easier to grow the community that you would like and foster the type of community you would like on Twitch versus something more unwieldy as YouTube. Uh, and the com- I mean, it's not, it's no secret that the comments on YouTube are, are the worst things possibly that have ever existed ever. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> only rivaled by the good old game trailers comments back in the day <laughs> where people would say they wanted to just punch me in my face when they saw me at every video that was posted, oh. which was fun. But um, not that it doesn't happen on YouTube. It doesn't happen as much. Oh, okay. Uh, but do you think that's part of the appeals that people like the idea of the community? They like hanging out. They like interacting in real time with not just the streamer, more so even the other people that are watching the stream. And that's you cannot get that experience watching a YouTube video. You can see someone's comment that was left the other day, but it's not real time, and it, it doesn't feel as close knit. It's almost like a familial aspect to Twitch that's missing on YouTube. I would say. I think that's a fair assessment. I think that people that chat with each other and um, and especially in the smaller channels eventually kind of those little pockets of friends can turn into a community and by now there's tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of little communities on the internet 
And um, a lot of it is focused around, I'd say Twitch was a big part of bringing that aspect out. There are positives to having a community. There are definite positives, but there's a lot of negatives too. And over the years, it became it became clear that um, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be the community leader. I was never really... I mean, maybe when you have 40, 50 people, 100 people at most, you can kind of manage that, and it's like a group of friends. As Vine Sauce grew, I can tell you that it became more difficult. The problems became more complex, and then you find out that interpersonal things, people come to you to solve them. It's like being the principal of a school. And that's a responsibility. I'm, I'm learning, especially since we're talking about this today, just over the past couple of days, I've realized more and more. That's something I like to distance myself from. Now, most people in the smaller communities, again, friends, they can handle it. They can hash things out between themselves. But when you have a larger group of people, we're talking thousands of people, it can be, I have a problem, I need to... I need to tell the principal. And that becomes challenging. So you're talking about issues that arise between people that might be watching your stream and they get into an argument or a fight or a disagreement that might happen in real life, but the people know each other through the Vine Sauce community that you are asked to mediate? Yeah, and this is the same for, I mean, I've spoken to a lot of people who have, let's say, their own Discord channels or their own kind of like community centers, forums or whatever. Um, this isn't unique to Vine Sauce by any means, but we just have a larger community and it's been around for a while and we, we, you know, there's a large diverse group of people, but I can tell you that when it comes to, um, a lot of aspects of the community, uh, the positives are obvious, which is that everyone gets together. People get to know each other. People get to enjoy your streams. Maybe people watch each other stream. People can you know, really find that sense of friendship and camaraderie that maybe is difficult to find in real life. There's a huge advantage to being able to have that community feeling and also to meet a group of like-minded people that like the same games as you from Twitch. That's a huge positive. But, yeah, the negative is is that, let's say what, what you said, um, people outside of the stream or even during the stream, it becomes a thing where people kind of tend to rely on the outside moderation and mediation when, when there's problems. And that community aspect can definitely get a little overwhelming. And see, the difference between me as Vine Sauce, a person, and the community of Vine Sauce is that, and, you know, maybe this is a little bit more information than you asked for, but it's something that's been on my mind the past couple days, especially. Um, I've tried to make it clear I'm, I'm Vine Sauce, the dude. The community is not me, and uh, I don't know if I can handle thousands of, of you know, people. So I, I try to separate the two things. A lot of streamers have their own Discord um, that end up having, let's say, you know, 100, 200 people in them. And they're in there all the time, and that can be a very difficult, demanding job. That can turn into, like, okay, well, now I have to be here for this. Here's an issue. Um... And, and it just turns into a full-time job on top of streaming. And I've, I've decided that that's, that's a little bit too much for me. So you, ha- you foster this community. You want to be successful on, on Twitch. 
you have thousands of followers, but now all of a sudden it's almost like your clubhouse has gotten too big and now you have issues that arise. So you personally don't feel like um, you should be stepping in when issues arise or you, you just don't have the interest in doing it. So you have to then rely upon others. So it's almost like you, you now become sort of a manager of a company. You're like this weird Twitch CEO and you have to have your own human resources people to help out. You know, in Twitch, you have your own moderators. You can have it on Discord as well. Did you foresee this sort of infrastructure happening just by streaming silly games on, on online? No, I, I didn't. But I, I think um, everyone that goes through a streaming success finds that eventually there is a, a need for community. I've, I've had this discussion with a number of people where it starts as just streaming and then it turns into like, okay, we need to have some kind of discord or we need a community aspect. And again, a lot of these, I don't, I can't speak for every internet community, but I do believe that a lot of times it can be okay. I just think that, yeah, the streaming thing is great, but a lot of streamers maybe aren't prepared for how intense it can get and how, like I said, it can almost be like, yeah, you have to also on top of streaming have to take that community manager role or you have to give it to people you really trust. And that can be tough too. But yeah, who knew it was going to get like this? And then becomes almost like something else you have to worry about besides actually producing the content for both for Twitch and then on YouTube. Do you do you, uh, do you see the need for content producers in the future? To let's put it this way: if you were starting nowadays, would you even consider YouTube as as an outlet for the streams to find a new audience, or is it not worth the time, or is it? a totally different audience that would not be watching you on Twitch anyway. That's a really, that's a really good question. Um, YouTube now is a lot harder to get established on. And I think again, watching people who are up and coming now, it feels like a, it feels like a defeatist task. Trying to establish that reputation on YouTube has never been more difficult. And, um, I can say that right now, if I had only ever streamed and never done YouTube and decided to start YouTube now, it would be a good tool to archive my full streams, and it would be a good place to have them uploaded and just there, but I doubt it would turn into um, you know, the level of success that I hit, which is still not like a huge level. It's a decent level, and I'm very happy where I'm at, and sometimes I joke I wouldn't mind a little less of it, but... I think um, you you got to figure out, when I started in 2010, we were just off of the cat videos, as, as I said earlier, and YouTube poops. <laughs> so by the, time, um, by the time I started kind of coming around with my corruption videos, I got very lucky. I also worked very hard and uploaded a lot of videos. But that kind of shotgun effect of me kind of just making stuff that was kind of interesting or stupid or funny got me a little further than I thought it would. And I think now there's everything and more on YouTube and the algorithm is also kind of against people. So I doubt that it's a good way to um, find that, that kind of success anymore, unless you do something really unique and really amazing, which people are capable of, but it's, it's harder for like, say the, you know, everyone, everyone else that wants to start something and actually find that success. It's going to be tough. 
is it similar to the struggle if you're starting up being a, a Twitch streamer? I, I must consider that to be just as difficult because there's less work required to put on a stream versus even editing, shooting and editing a video and uploading it. So do you see that becoming a problem for future potential, maybe or have the most amazing Twitch streamer ever come about and just can't get noticed? It's because there's too many people doing it. Yeah. Is that, is that a possibility in the future? Totally. It's a possibility now. You know, there's a lot of really talented people that are putting the work in and don't get their due. There's also some better ways to get noticed, which is to network and to add people to your auto host and to um, kind of, you know, help out in a community until you are trusted and noticed to the point where you can maybe get um, some hosts and promotion. That is, to me, what I, I would perceive to be a good, decent way to get some attention. But just starting, you know, because again, starting in a way that you are basically self-reliant and it's just you, that's going to be real tough, man. That's going to be a tough sell. And um, yeah, it's the blurring effect. It's like, same for music. When music first kind of like rock music, for example, when that first got like huge, the record companies were just picking up any band they could find. And then you looked at like, you know, now or a little bit like in the 90s, it was just everyone is in a rock band. No one gets noticed except a couple people. And it's just there's just too many of one thing. What do you think it takes to be successful at, at streaming? Obviously, you know what may you successful. But in general, what is there commonalities between the most successful Twitch streamers in terms of work ethic or is it just uh, reaching out to their community being putting on a happy face. What do you, what do you think the secret is if there is one? Tits. <laughs> oh, I never saw yours, Vinny. I, I never <laughs> noticed them before. Let's just okay. Um, it seems like that's sadly become a bit of a fast track. Uh, and again, you know, whatever your hustle is, if it's fine with the TOS, you know, go for it. I guess, but uh, I, I feel like. Tits of service? Oh, terms of service. Oh. <laughs> right? Uh, I feel like the tits of service are a definite um, thing that's, that gets attention for sure, and, and they will find a way to success. But if you're just streaming video games, the, the real answer to that question is, I guess, be yourself. That seems like such a cop-out answer. But the more, okay, the more you put on a, a character, especially if that character isn't fucking hilarious... It's going to be real noticeable, and it's it's going to turn people off. Doctor disrespect. It's going to turn people. It's going to turn people off if you're not a character. No, if you're a character that is not like amazing. Oh, so you're saying unless you're willing to put on an act that hey, I'm super happy and let's go rah rah rah, people don't want to watch it. I think so. I think it's it's like okay, Doctor Disrespect is is a huge streamer who just kind of came out of nowhere. And the dude, like, he wears the mustache, he, he does the 80s stuff, and he's, like, the action hero. And he streams a lot of, like, um, you know, <laughs> seriously, you got to watch this guy. He's got a mullet. Um, and he's really, like... He puts on a costume to stream. He puts on a costume, and he puts on a character, which is, like, 80s action hero dude. And he's, like, very positive, and, and he's a lot of fun. And uh, he, he's huge. He's massive. And, and he just started, like, I think... I don't know when he started, but I only started hearing about this guy in the last, like, six months. So he is a character that got famous. But then you have um, – there are people that are just themselves, 
that just stream and just talk about video games. I think there's got to be um, a commonality of confidence, of not arguing too much with your audience, <laughs> because that gets a little uncomfortable for, for viewers. There's got to be, um, a, you know, voice is important too, and that's, you know, sometimes you can't really control whether or not people like your voice. We need that radio voice, you, that baritone smoothness. That's right. If you want to buy a pack of Camel cigarettes. <laughs> so, so, all right. I, I, I honestly did not know there was some Dr. Disrespect. I'm looking at him right now. And, yeah, he's got a, a mustache. He's got an outfit. He's got a mullet. Hey, if that works for you, it works for you. What can I say? He found the, the, the way to success. I just hope that's not going to be everyone else in the future is going to have to put on a, you know, a, a character act in order to stream. But maybe that's the future. Maybe that's like how, you, how YouTube was with people getting big, like uh, AVGN, for example. You, know, you, you have to put on an act, but that's acting in, in roles, though, for short films, basically. This is just live streaming. But then again, it is performance art. Is it streaming some sort of performance art? Sure, yeah. I mean, there are times where I play characters. I mean... When I stream, it's generally you, you get what you get now. And, you, you know, if, if you and I were to hang out at a con like we've done, um, then that's how I met you for the first time at a convention, right? Yes, I believe. So that was like, you know, you got me as a person. And when I go live, people get me as a person without too much extra. I mean, I, I definitely put on a little bit more like um, I put my focus on what I'm doing. You know, and I really try to project my voice a bit, and I try to, um, you know, say things that might be entertaining. I'll definitely go a little bit more on the dry humor side than I would in, say, like a regular conversation. But I'm generally myself. But you can definitely play aspects of, like, you know, some games I'll be a character for a little bit. And I'll, I'll try to, um, you know, do voices like the Mario Luigi ones. And uh, people like that. But you can either be really good at being yourself, or I think you could be really good at being a character. It's it's it seems to be one of those two things that that will help you in the long term. Sure. Speaking of characters, and I'm not sure this is a character, but getting back to, I guess the um, the deluge of of maybe the uh, scantily clad female Twitch streamers you alluded to. Uh, I guess we spoke about this on the spoke about this on the on the CU podcast about the train wrecks being suspended because uh, he he was going off on on the female Twitch streamers and he got suspended for I guess for what was called a misogynist rant. Mm. Um, I don't know if you, did you hear about that. Yeah. Do you have any comments on on anything about that in terms of do you think Twitch needs to clarify what can get you suspended, even just talking about something that might be offensive or an offensive way? Yeah, I think like any company there's always going to be room for more clarification. I have had good experiences with Twitch and I've been in touch with them when I had problems and I was given clarification whenever I had an issue. However, when it comes to this, this streamer thing that we were talking about, I feel like there's rules and some of them aren't either being enforced properly or they aren't being clarified properly. And I haven't really looked into the whole issue, honestly. Um, I try to stay out of it a bit because it doesn't really affect my life. That said, I think there's always room for a little bit more professionalism and clarification. And I feel like um, 
it's understandable why people would get upset. And I, I, here's why, in my opinion, people get upset. I told you how hard it is to get started. It's really friggin' hard to get noticed as a streamer. And when you start streaming and you have an audience of 10 people, and then you six months later you have 30 people, and you're like, oh, God damn it. And then there's certain streamers that, let's say, can start, and they'll do an IRL stream where they work out in, you know, some nice booty shorts. And then they get, you know, uh, they're making 1000 $2,000 a month. I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious why people get upset. Of course people are going to get upset because they see that as a fast track to success. I think Twitch just needs to be a little bit more specific about what is allowed and what's not allowed and figure it out from there. So, but the the one argument I had against someone complaining though about, I mean, obviously if you think it's a fast track to success, well, there's horny teenage boys that are going to watch women. I mean, that's just the way it is. But is that the audience that's going to watch Vine Sauce, for example? No. Uh, isn't that just a totally separate audience? Like, like, for example, I would have little interest if I'm on Twitch of watching some workout in booty shorts when I have the entire entirety of internet porn at my disposal, including, including live porn. Why the hell would I get the PG-13 version you know, on Twitch? So to me, it's almost like a, a misnomer in terms of recognizing that as a threat to someone's game streaming because they're not really streaming to the same audience you are. That audience is not looking uh, for what you are providing. They're looking for what that girl in booty shorts is providing. I agree. Does that make any sense? Uh, That is totally accurate, and I I agree. I feel like, yeah, the people that watch my streams, maybe a very, very small percentage of them would watch the the booty short streams and and it, I don't feel threatened by it and I think you're right I don't think most people should feel threatened by it I, it's just what they're looking for um, I also would say is that, by the way is that a new genre booty booty short stream did we just discover that is that that's that's a new one it, but you know what it, it probably won't get as big as Doctor Disrespect but it's pretty good there's there's definitely a genre forming around that. So when we, when we talk again at the next convention, we'll, we'll check up on it and see how well it's doing. Hey, I, I, I might, I'm going to start streaming in 2018. I've, I've announced that. Uh, so maybe that's the way, way for I'm going to be fast-tracked to success. Pat, you got to get so. some booty shorts, man. <laughs> I'm telling you. Um, I'll also I'll add this. I, I think that um, another thing I've learned over the years, and not through myself specifically, but through like other streamers, is other streamers aren't really even a threat. Because... If you offer something unique and interesting and good, people will watch you and they'll watch another streamer. Like, there's a number of streamers that um, I I auto-host that are similar to myself. And, you know, I still do well. They still do well. And um, people will find a way to watch you and them. And it's just a matter of... You know, you can't really feel threatened by other people's success. You have to just focus on yourself and and worry about what you're doing and how to make how to make your streaming the best it can be and, and not feel threatened or not let that outside influence really try to, you know, eat away at you. That's why when I when I see this influx of, of people who are upset about the, the booty streamers and all that or the booby streamers, I mean that's been going on for a while. Again, I think a little bit more clarification and specificity on the rules would be great 
But um, does it bother me? No, not really. I don't. I don't. It, it's a separate world, Pat. It's like, you know, there's people that cook on Twitch. I, I'm not a cooking channel. I'm a gaming channel, and and so we're in like different worlds. Do you think the fact that there's direct competition in terms of well, it's it's almost like TV when you're when you're on Twitch because you're streaming at the same time someone else could be streaming, and then you got to make a choice one or the other. Does that sort of pressure? Does that maybe lead to the backlash against what they people think as, oh, this is quick success? Because it's not like YouTube where you can watch a YouTube video whenever you want and get the same experience. On Twitch, there is something to seeing it actually happen live versus a past archive stream, correct? So is that part of the pressure that you feel to perform and also it, it is almost like a more of a direct competitive nature on Twitch? Um, I think there's uh, definitely an aspect of that. I, for me, I have... Um very little compassion for the the quality that I put out. <laughs> um, a lot of times I do things called lowered expectation streams and it's just, I just don't care. So I've been lucky. I can kind of be <laughs> myself. I can kind of do stupid shit and I still do all right. I don't focus on who's live when I'm live. I just go live. In fact, I don't even have a schedule. So I just kind of go live whenever I can. Um, I don't. So, yeah. so for you, then it's not like a nine to five because I know. I mean, I know someone that's you know a top fifty you know female Twitch streamer that um, feels like I have to be scheduled and regimented, or else you know I can lose my followers you know day to day or week to week. So but you don't feel like you've been caught in that trap where okay, I have to be tethered to my Twitch streaming station or else I'm going to lose this all. No, and I don't. I never started that precedent. I never like started with a schedule. I mean, generally people can expect me around night time, you know, and I, I usually will stop streaming around 3 a.m. I'm a night owl, but sometimes my audience will get a stream 3 p.m., uh, 4 p.m., 5 p.m., and it's just a random thing. Whenever I can, I go live, and um, I haven't thought about it like, oh, I'll lose my audience if I don't do it at this time. I'm sure people have to worry about that. But luckily, I've I've been able to kind of circumvent the um, the the uh, the number game. But another thing that I'm lucky for is that I feel like my luck of I guess where I'm at now is that I don't have to focus on numbers, and I don't have to worry about like uh oh I saw a drop. Like here, I'm not gonna lie about my luck of course which is, is is tremendous but i i also again i stream a lot but here's a true thing over the past week i think i dropped about 100 subs and um this isn't the first time i've dropped 100 subs i'm okay with it so the sub on twitch is the paid follower right that's the difference yeah so th that means that they're putting their portion of the revenue towards another Twitch streamer instead of you in, in the interim, uh, potentially. Potentially. Because they can dedicate that to someone else. Or they're busy spending their money on holiday items like or like you know Christmas shopping. I've, I've seen my subs fluctuate, and I don't take that as, as a – again, this could be not the norm for Twitch. But I don't look at that and think to myself, I did something stupid. I fucked up. I need to change the way I do this so I can get more subs. I don't think about numbers. I don't – focus on them you just roll with it but then again you're in the position that you can just roll with it since you have so many 
Yeah, but but also, I mean, of course there's a fear, but here's the thing. If I start focusing on numbers and I start thinking about like, oh God, what do I have to do? I'm not going to be genuine and it's going to, it's going to show and my audience is, is pretty, they watch me because they like that. I, I'm just being me. So I can't expect you to have a mullet mustache and booty shorts next week. That's not going to happen. <laughs> mullet mustache and booty shorts. Wow. What would that doctor, like? Bo- doctor booty respect. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'll just think of my future career potentially. Well, I, what's interesting though, is that, not to make this about me for can Please, I make this, my, I, you, my pocket. I would love for bit? you to talk about uh, you, Pat. <laughs> uh, I've only streamed on Twitch. Technically, what the, the NES marathons that we've done on Twitch have been the last three or four years. So we did the first four years on Ustream, the last four years on Twitch, and so that means I've only streamed on Twitch four times. But even those four times, I guess I've, I've seen enough that I've seen like the the passion of people that come in and enjoy it. And even in doing those four t- four times, I have a decent amount of uh, followers uh, just from doing it four times. So I guess I can see uh, I can see the appeal to it. And again, this is why I want to start doing it because I'm playing games anyway on the side. I might as well have people watch it and enjoy it. And yes, it is another outlet creatively at the same time. It is a performance uh, to it. Uh, so I guess I can say is I'm I'm even luckier than that other person who's been doing it every day and has 30 followers and I have thousands of followers and I've only done it once a year. Uh, you know, so I, I guess I can see where it's going to get to the point that, yeah, if you just start off, it, it, you might, you might get noticed, but you might not. Um, and at that point, then it is what it is. You're going to, you might have this sort of, uh, the old guard that might be hard to topple at some point. And I'm not saying you're the I'm not saying you're the old guard that should be feared, but you know you're in that position where hey yeah this is I'm in a good spot. But then again, you put your work in early, often, and you were there sort of at the you know at the at the floor of this uh, Twitch movement. So this is the food poisoning talking. I'm just rambling now. Again, no no no. I I think you're 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 definitely you're hitting on a lot of really important points. And um, as jumbled as the food poison. <laughs> might make it i totally got oh, all, God, i got all of it shape. And I'll say, <laughs> no you're good pat you're good i can i can actually comment on all that for one i would say you have a good opportunity now for when you start streaming and you can build something and a level of consistency will be important even if it's not scheduled you know as long as you're you're putting in the time and you're having a, a good time with it and that's the thing i stream not because i have to but because it's fun. I really, really love doing it and it makes the day better. And, uh, I, I like, I've always wanted to be a radio host. Really? This is like the next, so this yeah, is when I was the next kid, best thing. <laughs> it's even better. I get to stream video games. I get to talk about games, random shit. I get to talk about music, movies, you name it. It's great. And I get to interact with people. Sure. There's a shithead in the chat every now and then, but there's always going to be a shithead in the chat. And, uh, but generally it's so, it's a lot of fun. Like the best part of what I do is the streaming. It's not the power. It's not the babysitting. It's not playing principal. It's the streaming. And and that's why I continue to do it. So, and to add to what you said before about like the people, the old guard. Yeah. I don't think there is a toppling of the old guard to some extent. I think that, um, there can be room because the platform is expanding every day. Twitch is, is still growing, 
that these new audience members will find their way to different streams. And I think that the old guard will always have their numbers, whether they be as crazy high as they are now or not. Um, and I don't even come close to touching some of those um, streamers because, like, you know, there's people with 20,000 viewers per stream. I, I pretty much, I get four or 5,000, which is not, it's great. I'm really happy with that. But it's certainly not like, um, you know, the, the eSport level. But, sure. Uh, yeah. Is that, is that the next evolution, though? Are, are we ready to step into, I guess, Twitch in real life? To some expect, uh, some aspect, you have um, who is that uh, comedian guy in L.A. walking around live streaming on Twitch? Uh, Sudeikis, Andy Sudeikis, was that was it, that his name? Oh, oh, um, Milanakis. Milanakis Sudeikis. That's not, that's that's a female comedian. Jesus. Oh, okay. God, food poisoning. Um, but <laughs> are we getting to that point where maybe like you've seen guys like kind of funny? They do like their daily talk show live, then they upload it to YouTube. Is this just sort of the next evolution of even YouTube, where you know? You have people that just do a talk show every day. You'll have people doing a cooking show every day on Twitch. You'll have people, uh, I don't know, repairing cars every day live or something of that nature where maybe right now it's not to the point where the older generation is going to Twitch because Twitch has has the reputation and demographics of being a much younger crowd than even YouTube. But at some point, though, they're going to grow up. All the 15-year-olds now, all the... 20-year-olds, and you probably have some 30-year-olds watching Vine Sauce, I'm sure. But at some point, when the majority grows up, maybe you see an evolution of Twitch to, okay, now you can watch people discuss politics live on Twitch. And that'll get it, that actually will have a big audience, you know, well-produced sort of live streams to, of, of that effect. It'll just sort of – it'll basically evolve from where, you know, podcasting was, uh, sort of taking up the slack where radio was, where you have Twitch taking up the slack – of where even YouTube was, where, okay, now we're going to have high-quality shows, but now it's just going to be live and archived, of course. Is, is, do you see that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, this this medium is still so young, and you can now grow up avoiding television and still get really great videos. You can get really great um, live streams that are, you know, there's I'm looking on, on Twitch right now, and there's like a talk show, like two dudes in suits, and I believe it's an esports thing. It has like 30,000 viewers. You know, there's stuff like that now. And I think it's only going to get more intense. Is that, is that the you name know, of the channel? Two Dudes in Suits Esports? Is that That's pretty good, right? <laughs> Two Dudes in Suits? That has a nice ring to it. <laughs> we got to start that channel up. We yeah, just, do you want to be the two dudes? Yeah, I'll be one of the two dudes. We can just talk about whatever. We can talk about Justice League, or, you know, how badly it's done in the box office. We We can talk about, you know... Uh, esports. We can talk about you know the animated Super Mario Brothers movie that's going to be coming oh, out. Universal. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I would love to talk about uh, Superman's CG upper lip, if possible. Was it as bad as what people claimed it was? I, I, didn't, I didn't see it. I didn't see it either. But uh, I, I hear it's really bad for like at least a few scenes where it's like, wow, that looks terrible. Yeah, I have. Like, uh, someone showed me a picture, and it just looks like something's wrong with his face. So, <laughs> yeah. Maybe that'll be the next uh, evolution. We'll have people try to sneak into movie theaters and live stream movies. Uh, oh my get God, arrested. that could happen. That could happen. <laughs> well, the IRL streamers are, are pretty, you know, they got pretty big pretty quickly. And people just like seeing other people um, just do random shit. Here, here's the, the other thing. There was a dude that was like, um, I don't know the full story. I don't know who it was. So forgive me. This is just kind of like headline or like, uh, you know, people talking on Twitter about it. So 
I believe there was an IRL streamer who got either arrested or he was like, you know, basically um, frisked by a cop. And then later they found out it was like a cop for hire. It was like a movie cop. A movie cop? So they, they were setting it up? Yeah, that, that was, again, don't quote me on this. I could be wrong, but I believe Alleg- there was, Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly, there was a, a movie cop involved for a added drama on an IRL stream. Oh, my God. Now, even if that didn't happen, that will happen. Oh, sure. I mean, some, I'm sure someone eventually will get robbed or killed on a live stream walking well, around. Do you sure. remember the, the YouTube? Because YouTube has gone through a lot of trends. I mean, it's been around longer than Twitch, so we've seen YouTube go through different trends and, and uh, fads. And remember the prank channels where people would go and get beat up by doing pranks? Remember, that was like last year. That wasn't that long. Remember ago. last year? Back in the remember good old la- days? Back, back in the 16 era. And, and that's <laughs> the thing. We're going so quick. Like, we, we're moving culturally so fast on like an exponentially you know, high basis. Like every couple months, there's a new trend. There's a new fad. Like culturally, we're just evolving at a huge rate. Whereas like the sixties took like 10 years to, to really fully unpack. Now with YouTube and the internet and social media, it happens so quick that we don't have time. We just get whiplash from it. Are we, are we, aren't we already past the drama videos on YouTube? Isn't that already kind of getting old? Do you think? Or? Yeah. Now it's like the family finger, like weird, like, like, uh, Elsa gate videos that I've been talking about a lot. Like, the, Oh, those, those are getting shut down though. But YouTube's coming down on those. Those are done. So then, uh, what they're will cracking be down. What's next? Two dudes in suits. That's what's next. Two dudes in suits with <laughs> booty shorts and glasses <laughs> and sunglasses and a mustache. I guess you could wear a suit with booty shorts as long as you have the nice, nice, uh, you know, button-down cool. shirt and a tie. Oh, I thought you were going to say a nice rump. Well, I don't know how much squats you've been doing, Vinny. I've been going to the gym, though. but I <laughs> Zero squats, Pat. Zero squats. Zero squ- You're skipping leg day? I've skipped <laughs> a lot of exercise days. Um, is that something that, you know, not to make it too, too much of a light of it, is that something to be concerned about being a, a big Twitch streamer, the fact that you're – you know, you're sedentary, taking the time out to go outside, you know, breath of fresh air, walk around, maybe exercise, have other hobbies. Is that something that maybe if you've not struggled with, you've seen others maybe struggle with in terms of having finding that balance between streaming and, and other parts of life? Yeah, man. Um, this is a huge aspect to me as a person, too, because when you first start getting, like, popular online, it's really easy to get caught up in yourself and to focus on on you know the 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 praise and everyone's really cool and they like you and so you're going to focus on that and then you start to focus on your stream and your youtube and it's like well how can i become as as successful as possible and um not even successful but how do i keep this going and get more of it and then somewhere along the way i learned that I wasn't happy, and I decided that, um, you know, I go out a lot, you know, because I work from home, right, so I go out a lot, um, during the summer in particular, I'll go for walks for like two, three miles, you know, I'll um, just drive to uh, Brooklyn, or I'll drive to Jersey, like I said, and just find cool places, I'll go to a rock show, I saw the Pixies this year, I saw Queens of the Stone Age, Paul McCartney, just a couple things to get me out of my head. Um, I don't like talking about 
like when I'm doing stuff like this, no problem. When I'm streaming, no problem. But after all that, I like to stay as far away from myself as possible. Um, music has been a huge thing for me always. And that, like, you know, we have an album coming out. That album contains a lot of the outpour that I, I need to kind of deal with. It was my therapy in a lot of ways. Because this stuff is not normal and no one knows how to deal with it. There's no rule book for streaming. There's no rule book for having this community thing or people up your butt all the time. There's no rule book to people having direct access to you 24 seven. Um, it's such, it's such a weird thing. And you know what? It is a psychologically damning thing and it can easily replace real relationships, real friendships. It can replace real things that, that you need in your life. And, you know, then you find out a couple of years later, like, holy shit, I'm like clinically depressed. So, yeah. So you think that there's a danger of some streamers seeing the you know their their followers and people in the chat and their community maybe that could be a crutch for real life experience and interaction outside of that and that they sort of fall back on that instead of going out and actually getting a breath of fresh air and experiencing the world. Absolutely, yeah, totally. And and I even it's funny that you mentioned that because there was um I'm not going to say whose name it was but check this out here's a tweet I saw just yesterday and I liked it this is from someone who does streaming um, it says here gonna take a moment to drop some advice to my fellow youtubers and streamers while the pursuit of money followers and views can be sweet and rewarding it will not fill the holes in your life you'll still feel a yearning for more take time for you your friends for growth it's very beautiful and, and that was and that was said by Dr. Booty Disrespect, I believe, said that one. Yeah, D Booty Disrespect actually has learned these <laughs> lessons very quickly because he, he rose to fame so fast that he got all the lessons within like a Come, week. He took all the lessons of the other fast-rising streamers and just combined them. Yeah, it's just all one amalgamation of, of everything. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, that was actually very heartfelt. And yeah, you have to take time out. Absolutely. I, I've been struggling with that myself in terms of um, not just YouTube and having a couple podcasts and working on books. It's just, yeah, it's a grind. And there is a feeling that if you don't, you know, someone else will step in if you sort of take your foot off the gas pedal. And that could be a real feeling or it could be an exaggerated one or it could be a false feeling. But that, that exists inside of a lot of people. It's the same thing for actors or musicians or anything else. When you have, a, you know, a creative uh, endeavor and you try to be professional, you always think that someone's going to be ready in to just kick your ass out of the way. Um, so yeah. I don't have any answers for what's the right way, right way to go about it. But yeah, obviously your happiness is first and foremost when it comes to this. Yeah. And, and again, my answer for me is just separating the time. And, and so when I'm not streaming, I try to not be in that world. And I just take time for the, the stuff that, uh, you know, that means more to me, which is um, my own sanity. <laughs> and the streaming, like I said, is great. But again, having people praise you or like, you know, kiss your butt, which is nice. And, and you know, I, I love my audience so much. They're, they're always really fucking helpful and great. Um, but then, you know, the neg that's great. The praise is great. Then the negativity is always going to be there. But just finding a way to separate that from who you are and realizing you're not that and you're just a person that's important and I'm, I'm glad that I've I've taken steps to um, find that distance and separation and it's it's really it's been great for me so I think 
Yeah, who knows what the answer is for everyone, but I think um, right now I'm I'm happier than I've been, and I it's because I've found ways to, um, you know, further explore hobbies and take time for myself. And sure, and you're well-rounded. You have your Red Vox Band. I'll say the name and plug it so you don't. And you can check him out at redvoxband.com. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. <laughs> uh, so you got the music going on. You got the streaming. Uh, and that, that's enough for you? You feel creatively satisfied through those endeavors? Is there something else you want to do at some point besides, you know, you, you, mentioned, you mentioned some sort of radio. If you did a radio show, what, what, what sort of topics would you want to discuss if you did like a podcast or radio show? Well, we do, um, KY and I from, from uh, Vine Sauce, we do a stream uh, podcast, sorry, once in a while called Two on the Vine. And, you know, it's an infrequent podcast, but we just talk video games but we'll talk music, we'll talk movies, it's kind of everything that we like. Um, but I, I stream so often that I end up talking about everything I want to talk about anyway. So I think that, um, you know, I'm learning, I've been learning to cook the past year. And that's oh. been really good for me. That's been a lot of fun. The pasta um, vajour, eh. I The pasta <laughs> vajour. We do, we do all the, you know, for, for me, I like to, uh, I like to get into that and learn like different recipes and stuff. And that, that's been good. But I mean, you know, maybe writing one day, I, I wouldn't mind, uh, don't hold me to this, Pat, but you know, you wrote an amazing book. You and, and a bunch of people wrote this great book about NES games that, uh, I may have on my coffee table that I kind of love. <laughs> now that book inspires me. And I think to myself, well, maybe one day I could do something, you know, a quarter as cool as that. What would you do if you, if you had your druthers? Would you do a nonfiction book? I might do um, like kind of, I don't know. I, maybe that's something that time will kind of figure out for me. But um, autobiography, you know, sort of the the, the rise of Vinny from Vine Sauce. I, I don't remember most of my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't? I have you a really bad trips, memory. Trips to the Jersey Shore and the diners, and you remember all the. Oh, the gravy on Sundays? You, you you have a good memory of that stuff. Okay, I got a couple things. Sure, I remember um, <laughs> Shit Rag Alley in Wildwood, New Jersey. What was it called? So there was a, a hotel called the Aqua Beach, and um, there was like this glass corridor between two of the hotel buildings. And I was like seven or eight years old, and my cousin and I went in there, and we just noticed in the corner there was just a, a poop rag. It was, and it was just it, the whole fucking corridor stunk. And to get to the arcade, you had to go through that corridor. So we named it Shit Rag Alley. That's my finest memory as a child of Wildwood, New Jersey. Wildwood, New Jersey, and, baby. I, I don't mean to talk trash about Wildwood, but have you been there? That's that kind of describes Wildwood a little bit. I was there. <laughs> I was there actually a couple months ago, and it was it was it never changed. Wildwood. Uh, Wildwood is uh, for those of you out there. Wildwood is is. Really, people from Philly more go to Wildwood than most people from New Jersey because it's so far south as a short destination point. Um, you know, it's, it's barely before, you know, Cape May. Um, so I remember going there. I, only a few times I've been there because it was so far. I mean, I, I'm a Seaside Heights guy. Yeah. You know, my, my, my grandparents had a place at Seaside Heights, you know, a couple blocks from the boardwalk. Yeah. But going to Wildwood was like, yeah, this is like the major leagues of the of the Jersey Shore. This is like oh, everything amplified yeah. at Wildwood. You know what I mean? And there's so much boardwalk. It's like, 
It's miles. It's, it's like yeah, four couple, miles. It's a couple it's miles, really, and it repeats yeah, too. And it, it like you know, there's it you, start, you start running into that same Polish water ice guy over and over and over again, and like, like every a, it's like a Tom and Jerry hallway. You keep seeing the same uh, <laughs> like like gaudy like uh, Guido T-shirt stand that you just saw a mile back. Did I just see that one. It, yeah, and they have the same T-shirts, and they're all like infringed materials that were like ripped off of something else, and they probably did not get permission for. And they're overpriced. It's just wonderful. Less twenty-four karat gold places than there were in the nineties and eighties because gold's gone up so much. But Jesus Christ, <laughs> at Seaside Heights and Seaside Park, every other every block you get one of those like jewelry stores. I, it was a thing. I can't explain why or how, but you had so many like cheap jewelry uh, stores back on the boardwalk. Nowadays, at least for Seaside, they're trying to make it more family friendly. So they got rid of most of the gaudy, you know, uh, I'm a super Italian T-shirts, you know, oh. like like stands. Like those are mostly gone, but they they're still they're, they're still there. They still exist. Okay, they're, but they're trying to they're trying to family friendly it up again, like it was in like the mid '80s before it got bad in the '90s, and, and MTV helped ruin Seaside when they started going there for their their their. Their freaking spring breaks. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks a lot, assholes. <laughs> thanks. For, thanks for bringing all all the all the Jersey Shore show types and attracting them. Because before them, them wasn't as bad. And no, that just I sort of. I loved it when I was a kid. It. Oh yeah, you know all the bootleg ET stuffed plush toys from the mid '80s. They were great. I don't remember yeah, that stuff. I, I was born in the mid '80s. I was like, uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm dating myself a little bit. That's okay. Here, yeah, I was. Um, I was there for the bootleg Nirvana CDs when um, you bad would walk- bootleg Nirvana. CDs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My favorite memory of the Jersey Shore is actually Seaside and Wildwood used to have these like these music shops that had like you know, um, it would be like Rastafarian stuff and like weed smoking devices. I mean, tobacco smoking devices. <laughs> tobacco, yeah. Incense and um. Like just like you know posters and and stuff like that, and then they would have the CDs, and every time I would go, there would be a new Nirvana CD, and I was like, didn't Nirvana only do like four albums? <laughs> but I would I bought a bunch of them because I was like really into grunge when I was a kid, and I would like, you know, I would listen, and what they would do is they would like record the studio version of the song through a boombox and say it was an alternate mix. Oh my god! Or they would just put on a live version that was on every other CD and call it a different version. Or the best was sometimes they would just name, rename songs to a lyric that was in the song. So they trick you to think it was a new song. When yep. It wasn't. So what do they do? Have like their nice ink inkjet printed uh, covers on? Uh huh. You bet. You bet. It was this bootleg as you could get, man. And charge you like eight ninety nine back in like ninety five for even, that. Even more, probably like twelve, fifteen bucks because it was an import. They still have the one of the oldest. Uh, I don't know how they're legal. Games of their games of chance, even though they're they're corrupt. You know, they still have the music um, wheel there. You know, the arrow that goes around. You put down quarters yep. of dollars. They still have that one at Seaside, and, and uh, I, I've been told that's been there since like the sixties, and that one is still there. Where you know, it's still only a quarter. I think is is what their their logo is. But yeah, but now there's about a thousand different uh, spaces for that arrow peg to go. You know what I mean to go <laughs> yeah. around. So the odds are exactly the same. It's just yeah, you, you better off paying five dollars a chance and having sixteen chances <laughs> right. versus a million for a quarter. But um, they it's, still have it. It's magical. I mean, and there is some YouTube channel that did a video on like the Carney games at like um you know boardwalks and. 
I mean, there's a couple that you could skill, but mostly it's just yeah, it's a way to rip you off. But well, I mean, well, that's not just memory. that. But not just that. Somehow it was it's legal in New Jersey that like when I was a kid, it wasn't like any signs where you got to be 18 or older to play these games, and it's it's straight up gambling. I don't care if you're trying to win a stuffed animal. I don't care if you're trying to win. They still have the ones where you win like boxes of candy. You know, like the retail box of candy. Mm-hmm. I'm putting down a quarter or 50 cents as a kid, and they're taking my money. And the funny thing about that is a lot of times in the summer, you have 15, 14-year-olds working those stands. So you have child labor handling gambling games oh and kids gambling. Great. It's fantastic. you got to love New Jersey. Oh, it's even better now that you describe it like that. It's so, so bad. But, yeah. That's I, how it was. Yeah. And not just that, though. Those games weren't regulated. So what I heard... Uh, allegedly, I don't want the whole state of New Jersey to be pissed off at me, but the gambling commission was supposed to go down there. I think this story was from like two years ago. They're supposed to go down there and actually see, oh, are these games actually legit chance? Are they rigged? You know, and of course that day they're supposed to come down and look at it. Oh, most of the games were closed that day, so someone tipped them off allegedly that the commission was coming down to inspect the machines and to look at. Holy everything. crap! Oh, man, if they didn't get tipped off, that would have been legendary. Yeah, but, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, there would be buttons underneath. Yeah, I'll, I want to describe this to everyone because this is uniquely Jersey Shore. I don't think this exists anywhere else in the U.S. Where you walk up, you put your quarter or dollar down on these little, uh, you know, it's a slate, a, a, a horizontal slate that runs across with all the symbols, like a, a blue diamond, a white number six, you know, a, a clover leaf, mm-hmm. and those correspond to the wheel, where a giant arrow goes around a pegged wheel, so that's your chance of winning. You put your quarter down, the button starts it and ends it. But I swear to God, though, I swear to God that some of those stands, they could know how to stop it where. Like, it was rigged that they, if they wanted someone to win, they could rig it to do that. Absolutely. Or not. Yeah, totally. I don't. I think I only ever won one thing from that, and I've. I remember we used to try a bunch when I was a kid, and I, I think I won one time. So yeah, it's it's totally rigged. Um, also, insert easy a- EA joke here about about gambling <laughs> loot box. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was the first loot boxes back in. The- <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. You know what? I hate to say that you're kind. It kind of was because then you had the ones where you're guaranteed to win a shitty little prize. Like remember, like where you were trying to like the ring toss or the ones where you know, uh, like Frog Bog, for example. They still have Frog Bog, <laughs> which is a game of skill. It really is. It's difficult as hell. When I went this past year, first time I've been to the Jersey Shore like five years, I did win at Frog Bog, but you know. You went up from the shitty little prize to, like, the big, huge one. But it takes, like, you know, 20, 20, uh, 20 wins to get that large prize. So you're spending, like, hundreds of dollars <laughs> to get this stuffed animal worth about $20. Oh, <laughs> man. It is so true. i got to link you to that video. Once, once I, When we're done, I'm going to find a, uh, a way to find this video because it was exactly these games. You're going to love it. Well, I, I, I did the last – well, I did two Jersey Shore videos. But I'm happy that I – got probably the last good video uh, documenting of how it was before the, 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 the Hurricane Sandy in 2013. I was there in 2012, so I got video of the whole thing up and down. So I'm going to plug my Pat the NES Punk uh, goes, to the, goes to the Jersey Shore and returns to the Jersey Shore uh, videos because you can check out some of this hilarity uh, of me being on the boardwalk 
uh, than Jesus Christ five years ago. Holy shit. Well, I, I definitely want to check that out now that we're talking about it. And again, this is, like you said, a, a uniquely Jersey Shore thing. And, um, and, and, and Six Flags, too, by the way. Oh, sure. There's well, they have Six Flags there. all over. Oh, yeah. But Great, Great Adventure, I'm sure, is a little bit sleazier, the Six Flags in New Jersey. Of course Great Adventure. <laughs> Slightly, that should be the new logo for Jersey, not the Garden State. Slightly sleazy. <laughs> Slightly sleazy. It's or perfect. sleazier. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Is, is that the, the next evolution though, of me on Twitch? Maybe I just start doing live flea market madnesses. Will there be a, an audience for that? I walk around the flea market and just do it live? We'll do it live. I, I, think that's a, I think that's a great idea. You should definitely, like, yeah, instead of streaming video games, you just stream yourself playing carny games. <laughs> you did it. You found the winning formula. But you have to have a fake mustache, a suit, and booty shorts. And booty shorts at the Jersey Shore. Of course. <laughs> and you'll fit right in. Yeah, eh, we'll see. We'll see. I'm all right. Just get too old and retire from all this online creativity. Uh, yeah, well, you know. About- you, speaking of re- retiring, you're, you're you're a young lad still. But wh- where do you see this Twitch thing going in the next ten years? I mean, you can only say Twitch has only been really fully established for a few years. I mean, Amazon bought them less than three years ago, right? Or about mm-hmm. that. Um, ten years from now, do you see? Twitch streamers moving on to something else. Is there an evolution to something else, or you're going to be streaming when you're 65 years old? Like, what? Like, what? How does this progress? I think, um, yeah, I think about this too because there's a whole aspect of we're in this beginning phase, and even though YouTube's been around 10 years, 10 years is nothing. Um, the movie industry has been around since you know the early 1900s, and you know here we are now. And we've got Thor and, you know, Hulk. And, and it's just so different. Um, I don't know. The evolution of, of Twitch, it's it's hard to say what it's going to be. But I do think we have a lot to go. And me getting in on the ground level was very good. And, I, I you know, I'll do it as long as I can because I enjoy it. But um, I would also like to have more of a music career, too. I'd like to do more music because there's almost nothing like putting out an album or doing a live show. But um, streaming is a lot of fun, and I, I would always like to do it. But who knows where it's going to be in 10 years. I think you had hit on a point where you said the people that are growing up are going to eventually do shows like the stuff you see on TV. More produced, you're going to see like studios. Like A lot of uh, YouTubers now have like studios for their podcasts, and you can look and you, know, you watch their videos, and it's like, wow, this is a nice studio. How much did this cost? And I think that people can um, – there's a self-sustainability that allows people to be more professional with their production. And I think that's just obviously going to happen. Who knows where it's going to be? Maybe we'll get some Twitch original shows. You know, Amazon oh. is doing shows. You know, they're putting money into original series. There's going to be a Lord of the Rings show on Amazon. Um, yeah, that's crazy. The more I hear about that, I'm like, that sounds nuts. Yeah, and I hope I, – you know, I hope it's good. I hope it's not just a re- – you know – more Lord of the Rings. I want like um, I, th- I think it's supposed to be a prequel. It's supposed to be between Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. It's supposed to be like wedged in between there. Cool. So they're not going to be re- retreading ground. It's going to be just adding on. At uh, least. You know, cool. I just I hope it's not too Game of Thronesy. And I love Game of Thrones, but that's not the proper tone for Lord of the Rings. Anyway, I mean, you mean I mean just titties and and balls and, and dragons <laughs> all over the place. Well, uh, do you watch it or no? <laughs> no, but whenever I hear like being fun of it, just a bunch of nudity and. You know, that's, that's half of the show. No. It's just orgies and no. <laughs> sex scenes. It's, you know, the books are even worse when it comes to the, the, uh, the, the you know, 
titty streamers. <laughs> the Game of Thrones book have has a lot of titty streamers in it. But no, I, I, I think um no, I think really it it's a good thing to see the original programming and we're gonna see more of that from places. And I think Amazon now having control of Twitch means we're gonna get you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's like a push for celebrities. I, you know, here's the the worry is that like any starting industry it eventually gets kind of hijacked by corporations and I, I do worry that there's going to be a big barrier between the more professional people that are pushed by Amazon and backed by like money and advertisers and the people that just start out. Part of the reason why Twitch is great right now and even YouTube in its infancy, I mean, it's still kind of like this, but you can just start from scratch and you can become your own person. But I, I worry that with the amount of money and attention and fame, there's going to be more regulations um, somewhat like YouTube has had to implement this algorithm so that advertisers are happy and there's like a level of censorship. I think if Twitch gets to that point, there's absolutely going to be more vested interest in keeping the content clean and safe and they're going to start pushing more people that they, you know, basically say, okay, here's a contract, here's what you can say, here's what you can't do, and you're going to throw to commercial every now and then. It, it could end up just becoming more like the TV we grew up with, Pat. So that's what I worry about, but that could also lead to some some good stuff too. Um, sure. I mean, there's always the danger. I think I think Amazon has to know that they can't turn off their core audience, and um, I don't know how much money Twitch is making. They paid like a, about a billion for it a few years ago, but I'm I'm thinking it's it's going to be making Amazon money at some point. Then again, Amazon isn't exactly destitute for cash. Yeah, you know they they're pretty much taking over the entire planet. Yeah. at this point. So to me, that was sort of the surprise that Google didn't buy Twitch. That was sort of a lost cause there, I thought, because they could have had – it's better not to have a monopoly on streaming content in general. It's good to have competition. This is a good thing. Yeah, Amazon and Twitch don't need uh, – or Twitch and YouTube don't need to be run by the same people. Oh, sure. And, and, yeah, you, you want to have different infrastructure for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and, and plus, you know, they, they're trying to do the YouTube gaming thing. I know it's not really working out well. From what I see and I've heard, no. but uh, I'd rather have a, a totally separate platform for something I see as totally different types of of media, you know, live streaming content versus, in theory, you know, produced content after the fact, edited content, if you can say that, you know. Yeah. Uh, speaking of editing, this is a bad segue. <laughs> let's let's talk about your love for the Super Mario Brothers animated cartoon show. I know you've done some uh, overdubs that are, are are fairly entertaining. I must say. Okay. Um, well, thanks for saying that. Uh, I, I'm sorry you had <laughs> no, to watch funny. them. <laughs> they're very clever. They're very clever. So, I don't know. I guess a couple years ago, I realized like I could do a pretty decent facsimile of the Mario and Luigi voices from the very specifically the Super Mario Brothers 3 and Super Mario World TV shows. So I don't. Well, was, do that a, was that a different voice from the Albano show, or is yeah, that, yeah, that was the same one. So the voices were um, on the Albano show, the Super Show. It was Captain Lou did Mario, and Danny Wells did Luigi. Oh, that's right. Danny Wells just passed away. Yeah, on Super Mario Brothers three and World, Walker Boone did Mario. Oh, that was a more gruff voice, right? That's right. It was a little bit. That's right. <laughs> and then uh, Tony Rosato did Luigi and and I believe Tony Rosato also passed away recently. So that's I mean it yeah we we lost too many Marios and Luigis. 
We lost both Luigi's? Yeah, I think we did. Jesus. I don't know if Walker Boone's still with us, but I'm going to take a look real now, uh, real quick. Real now. You know what? Walker Boone, let's see. No, he might be still alive. He was in Star Trek The Next Generation? What the hell? (laughs) Yeah, that's what I saw, too. What? It's like he might be still alive. You know, he's not really working that much anymore. All right. Yeah, he was in Captain N, too, apparently. Or, like, you know, he just did a bunch of... um... You know what? Subconsciously, I might have resented the fact that they got rid of Captain Lou for the Super Mario 3 show. Because I don't remember watching that as much as, as as the Super Show. As the original. You know, it was like the same exact sort of animation style, wasn't it? It was. You know, I didn't love the Mario 3 and World shows because they were a little bit too... Um, I, here's the thing. They, they were better with the source material. But then they, then they actually would, would like put in song and dance numbers with the Koopa Kids. Oh, Jesus Christ. So it would just be the most annoying voices on the planet screaming lyrics to terrible late 80s early 90s like pop songs it was so bad oh they weren't original songs they just had to do whatever no, no, the hell I, was i think they were original but they were like like you know approximations of the pop songs that, that we do like bon jovi on super mario could you imagine <laughs> well it was yeah kind of like that but also like michael jackson type songs oh god so i i actually liked those shows as a kid but when i watched them later on in life i was like oh the super show is so much better Regardless, yeah, I, just re- I just remember liking the Super Show. I thought it was more pure, if I could say that. It just seemed like it was, I don't know. It, plus, it was probably more out there as well. It was. Speaking, speaking of source material. So that there's a little more creativity going on. You know, Nintendo didn't give a shit back then. You know, look at the Super Mario Brothers live action movie. They didn't care. <laughs> They're just going to license out this important franchise to whoever. And you can just ruin it. <laughs> yeah, and then it, it actually scarred them from movies for so long that only now are they thinking about dipping their feet back in the water. Oh, yeah. So that's pretty impressive that something from 1993 could kind of screw them up for 20-something years. That's that's pretty good. Well, Nintendo's sort of slow to move. They're really conservative as well. They, you know, Of course. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that they decided, oh, we're not going to just produce 25 uh, uh, Super Nintendo classics. We're going to do a bunch more. You know, It took them a while to realize that money is good, for example. Money is good, and they are making it, especially now. They're doing a, They're doing great. But, um, but anyway, so you, so you know how to do the voice of Mario and Luigi. Yeah, basically, in in a nutshell, I decided that um, I was going to be an asshole one day, and I just did a 30-second overdub of Mario explaining where a baby comes from. You know, like, hey, Mario, where does a baby come from? And Mario's like, oh, you see, Luigi, when a Mamma Mia gets a prosciutto going... I forget how it goes, but it was all, like, Italian... <laughs> all those Italian words. I'm sure there was something with, like... Um, Noodle or spaghetti or something yeah, probably they, in there. When uh, Papa Pia puts a spaghetti noodle in a Mamma Mia, a little bambino covered in prosciutto comes out about nine months <laughs> later. That's disgusting. I don't understand, Mario. What does any of this have to do with babies? And I couldn't figure out how to end it, so I just made Luigi a dog, and that was the end of it. <laughs> so a higher level of YouTube poop because it actually had some sort of narrative to it. There was an attempt at a narrative. And then the next, there, then the next couple were like attempts at social commentary, and it was just awful. Anyway, there's there's six of them, and um, people seem to like them. I like them. I just don't. Doing them is tough because you have to edit the voices and um, the the mouths. So I can't write a story. I can't just say, "Oh, this is what I want it to be." What I had to do was scour through the footage, figure out what I could maybe do. And then I have to write a story based on the scenes that are available. 
So it's like scour through your DVD rips? Yeah, I do. Uh, yeah, I, I scour through them, I and I just kind of say to myself, without any audio, like totally out of context, here's a, here's a scene where Toad is landing on top of Mario after a fall. Well, if I reverse the footage a couple times, it could look like Toad and Mario are getting it on. Oh, of This course. is the level of genius you're dealing with here, Pat. It's high art. Yeah, so I've, uh, <laughs> I've done that a couple times. Yeah, I... Do you remember fond memories of the Zelda cartoon? I actually really enjoyed the Zelda cartoon. I don't care. Oh, this is uh, Link's not supposed to talk. Or he's a he's a you know he's acting like a little little you know whiny little brat. It was Legend of Zelda animated. It's like oh my god, we didn't we didn't know any better. That's what we had, and we loved it. And I'm sound like an old man. No, you're right. I, I enjoyed it. It's still not too bad. There's there's a couple episodes that actually I think kind of hold up as kids entertainment. Yeah, I mean, I look forward more to that than the other ones. It was once a week. That was that was perfect tease for Friday, right? Yeah. So, so there's only like 13 episodes of that stupid thing, or however many and then Link, weeks that they aired it. And then Link is like, excuse me, princess. Yeah, he's Steve Martin. That was always kind of weird. Yeah, it was a little strange. Uh, but it was a good that, show. But... It was fine. It was, it was better than some of the other fucking dreck that we got in the 80s for video games. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't remember. I mean, I remember watching every single episode of Captain N, but for the life of me, I can't remember any single plots or yeah. what, what happened in any of them. They're all the same. That was the dreck I was but, referring to. Uh, so you even see that it better being better than Captain N. Well, there's a couple episodes of Captain N that are are pretty fun, but um, especially season three of Captain N, it gets terrible. So well, they added the Game Boy. What was it? they added the Game Boy and their animation budget got? I think Game Boy might have been season two on, but um, season three they cut the animation budget, so everything looks like it was just done really cheap, and the storylines were terrible, um, and they Jeez. just always got details wrong. Like like there was a, a uh, one episode about Mother Brain's home planet called Metroid, and they were inside a planet called Metroid, and they had to fight Mother Brain. It's like, and Samus did not show up. It was just so... Uh. So they finally fought Mother Brain in that episode, tying up loose ends in the series. And then they got the name of the planet wrong, and Samus wasn't even in it. Yep. And they called the planet Metroid. Yep. Nice. Good times. Good job. It's sort of like the uh, Tanamon 2, the, the, you know, the excellent X-Men anime series, if you remember that, from Fox. Oh, yeah. So the last season, they changed animation companies. They cut the budget, and it's fucking awful compared to the other years. And it's like, yeah, it's such a good cartoon. You couldn't put up the money for the final season, really. You couldn't like put up the cash for that last season. You know? I guess they I could. Now I'm getting off on an animation tangent, like how they went from <laughs> Sunbow, uh, the, the the Marvel animated Sunbow GI Joe to the, the fucking Dick animated <laughs> ones, which are terrible. Um, anyway, yeah, it's it's frustrating because we had so many shows that that were cool as kids, and then. They just some of them just disappeared with no resolution, or they just turned into shit shows with bad animation, and it's just like it's a shame. It was rare that you got a, you had a, a conclusion to an animated show. I remember discovering years later that they actually finished the Gummy Bears. Like there was an end episode to that. Oh wow! So they finished that. I was like, holy shit! That's probably the only Disney afternoon show they actually ended, at least as far as I know. Well, here's one. You know, they actually gave it a pro- they gave it a proper send off. Do you remember the Pirates of Dark Water? I don't remember it in particular. Why did they, did they end that one? That was only on for like a year or two, wasn't it? Yeah, that was a two-season show where every episode there was an intro about how they had to like recover all the crystals, and you get, you know, they collect a certain amount of the tr- of the crystals, 
and you never get any any conclusion. You never get any like <laughs> like it's just so disappointing. But that was the, that, yeah. that was the mini pirates kick of the early nineties. Yep. Uh, when they had, when they had Fox's Peter Pan and the Pirates cartoon as well. Oh yeah, that's right. They had that, and that's when you had Cutthroat Island, one of the biggest bombs in movie history. Oh god, yeah. And they had a video game for that too, wasn't? Didn't they? They had, they had a game for Pirates Dark Water and for Fox's Peter Pan and the Pirates. Oh yeah, absolutely. And Cutthroat Island, I think they did too. Jesus. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of tough when it comes to the animated cartoons because yeah, you don't think kids care enough, but you know, kids like story. We can follow along. We're not total idiots. Yeah, I wanted to finish the pirate show, and they wouldn't let me. It was very disappointing. They never finished fucking Dungeons and Dragons. Now I'm dating myself, because that, that was before you were born, oh. just about. The Dungeons and Dragons cartoon was excellent. I mean, it, like we're talking adult themes. It was a little scary. And the kids never got back home to, the, to from Dungeons and Dragons land. And, and so they actually had a script written, but they never produced it. So they actually just never got the chance to actually make it. It was like sort of a shame. Oh, here's just to go on a totally unrelated tangent for two seconds. The original Star Trek series. Food poison tangent. Right. Yeah. The original Star Trek. They had a five year mission. We got three years of the mission. That wasn't cool. I wanted to finish the mission. <laughs> well, I guess the uh, the suits at the M- NBC or C- no, CBS had other other things to say about that. Yeah. And plus, you don't want to see that third season. That third season, speaking of cutting the budget, the third season is like, well, this episode takes place in a planet where it's the 1920s gangsters. <laughs> right. And it's like, oh, or this is a Western episode. Oh, you didn't have that set laying around the back lot? Yeah, another the Western episode? No way! <laughs> yeah, season three of original series Star Trek is just sad. <laughs> it's really just like, a, it's so like, because you know by that time, the only reason that series kept going is because fans wrote letters to keep it on the air. And it's just like, all right, fine, give them one more season. Ugh. Yeah, we'll do it at you know, 10 cents on the dollar. Yeah, seriously, you know, man. Anyway, this is the food, the food poisoning talking oh, here. Food poisonings are fun podcasts. Yeah, well, this has been great talking to you. I mean, God, it's, it seems like I should be a, a kindred spirit of yours, but I only talk to you like once a year when I see you at a convention or so. That's, you know. It's a you, shame. You got a lot of honesty out of me today, Pat. <laughs> what is that? Is that a rare thing to happen? Or you... <laughs> I'm a little more guarded than this, but you know what? I'm I'm always glad to talk to someone who's like minded, and uh, you do a really good job here on the podcast. So, oh, I appreciate that. Is this the, the start of the downfall of your Twitch channel? Are people going to be like, "Ooh, I didn't know Vinny was like that." I'm going to unsubscribe. Is that gonna... <laughs> That's fine. Oh, it is going to happen. Oh, I see. All right. Well, where can people find you on Twitch? I think well, they know. But... They, they can find me um, for as long as they can stomach me at Vine Sauce on Twitch. Or you can just Google the word Vine Sauce and you'll find probably, you know, everything you need. And you also are on YouTube. You upload some videos, including some bad overdubs of Mario Animated. Mm-hmm. And that's the name of that is The Adventures of Mario and Luigi. And... Um, you can also just kind of, uh, you know, we have highlights that are just kind of like, here's 10, 15 minutes of what I did on my channel, on my stream. And uh, th- those are pretty good. And if you want to watch the full streams on YouTube, there's a channel called Full Sauce. And those are just unedited. Like, so I did Zelda 2 randomized recently. And um, and you, that you can be found on Twitter at Dr. Disrespect Beauty Shorts. <laughs> It's at, it's at Vine Sauce. Yeah, if, and, if that's uh, available, I'll take it. Oh, you're not on Vine Sauce. What, what's your What's your Twitter? I, I should know. I follow you. No, no, no. <laughs> my, my Twitter is Vine Sauce. I was gonna say I should take the booty res- respect. 
Um, <laughs> no, no, it's it's uh, Vinny Vine Sauce on Twitter, and Vine Sauce is Vine the Sauce. team, That's the right. whole team. And the Vine Sauce is the general Vine Sauce yeah. conglomerate Twitter mm-hmm. for the bunch of you. Well, this is great. I got to host uh, your channel on my on my. Uh, who, I don't know who's coming to my NES Marathon channel, but I might as well uh, host your channel so people could stumble upon it and watch your brand of entertainment. Why not? I'll do that right now before I forget. And when you start streaming, you let me know, and I'll I'll do the same for you, Pat. All right, Vinny. This is great talking to you. We're gonna you, we're gonna stay in touch yeah. for sure. Well, well, I don't have massive food poisoning. All right. Well, feel better, and thank you so much for having me. And uh, good interview. Good times. Before I go, let me tell you about That's It Bites. Now, we all know about That's It fruit and veggie bars. They are the all-natural, healthy snack with little ingredients besides what's in them. For example, That's It fruit bars just have fruit. Well, That's It Bites are dark chocolate-covered fruit truffles, and all they have in them, fruit and chocolates. So, for example, I'm holding the apples and coconut That's It Bites The only thing you have in here, apples, coconut, and dark chocolate. These are delicious. I eat these at least a few times a week. They are about 150 calories in one package serving, no preservatives, gluten-free, non-GMO, low-fat, no soy, vegan, certified paleo-friendly. Go to that'sitfruit.com and enter code NOTCOMMON to save 10% off any order today. Again, this is good for on-the-go as a snack. You throw it in your backpack or your purse. You can throw it in your car. Uh, you won't feel the guilt that you might have eating something like a like a chocolate bar. Uh, it, again, it's all natural, and these actually fill you up because these aren't processed garbage ingredients. These are apples, coconuts, dark chocolate, and that's it. Or apples and bananas and dark chocolate, or apples and blueberry and dark chocolate. You get a serving of fruit, and you get a nice, delicious snack. Around 150 calories, indulgent, guilt-free treat. Every age, diet, and lifestyle. Vegan, non-GMO, no preservatives, low-fat, gluten-free, no soy. They're delicious. Again, go to that'sitfruit.com, enter code NOTCOMMON when checking out, and you'll save 10% off your order today. And also be on the lookout for them at CVS. And heck, I just saw them at uh, Detroit's airport when I was traveling. They were there for sale as well, so they're getting out there. That's it, fruit. That ends this not-so-common podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you want to help support the podcast, please subscribe on your podcast platform of choice, whether it's iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, or whatever platform you use to listen. So you can leave a comment and rate the podcast to help give it a boost. You can also follow me on Twitter at PatTheNESPunk. And if you want to help directly support me and the Not-So-Common podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon at patreon.com slash Thanks, and I'll see you next time.